0: and then in every single person that I meet on my journey. You're gonna learn these tools and how to apply them in your life now so that you can become the most free, powerful, bold, authentic version of you. Hey, welcome to today's episode of the show. Today, we're gonna be talking more about niceness, particularly about selfishness, guilt, The fear of being less nice and more direct and more real and more assertive, and really how you can free yourself to do that. And this has been a a common theme of this show for the last couple weeks as we get closer to our Not Nice Live event, which is going to be coming up in early March. So if you haven't gotten your ticket for that, make sure you do so. Go to draziz.com, that's D R A Z I Z.com, and go to the uh, events tab, and you'll be able to get your ticket for Not Nice Live. I cannot wait to spend three days with you liberating ourselves to be less nice and more real and there's a lot of nuance to it you know because I wrote that big book uh, not nice it's like 500 plus pages it's the biggest critique of that book by the way is it's too long make it shorter and the reason it was so long is because there's so much nuance you know if it was just like hey be less nice bam then the book would be like a page but you know and I work with people week in and week out in my uh, group coaching programs mastermind program and it's all of these specific situations and the nuances of how to apply this, where to apply this, and it's tricky. It's, it's tricky for a couple of reasons because to be authentic, to be real, to do what is best for you can feel really wrong. And so if you're trying to be a good person, if you're trying to what feels be like ethical, and then you're saying, but I'm doing something that feels wrong, uh, oh, no, maybe I should just uh, not do that thing and just do the, quote, what right thing. But then the right thing, quote-unquote, might actually be unhealthy, dysfunctional, causing more problems to you or others later on. So it's really interesting. I'm going to give a specific example, too, for my own life that's just recently coming up that really highlights the, the, the discomfort here. Um, and I'll, I'll illuminate some of the, the guilt and the selfishness that comes up. But basically, selfishness is not a, a binary thing. It's not like you're selfish or you're not. It's a spectrum. You could be more or less selfish. And and a lot of people think of, hey, if you describe someone as selfish, is that a good thing? And most people would say, no, selfishness is bad and wrong. However, that makes it seem like it's, it's, you either have it or you don't. You're doing it or you're not. No, it's a spectrum. So, sometimes, is it good to be more selfish? And if, you don't like, if the word selfish is automatically bad, let's call it self-interest, right? Because isn't that what selfish is, is I'm looking out for my own interests? So, if you phrase it that way, are there times where it's important to look out for your own self-interest? The answer to that I'd agree I'd imagine you agree with me is yes right when is it important to look out for your own self-interest well what if someone might take advantage of you uh, what about when it comes to something like you're, you're deciding how to steer your life whether it's what kind of health care provider to go to what kind of procedure to do or what kind of medicine to take or not take you know, th- those are decisions where your own self-interest is really important. So if you're like, well, I don't want to upset the doctor because she told me to do this. And if I said no, she's going to get mad at me. And then you end up taking something or doing something that's not good for you. Like, th- I think we can all agree that you don't, you don't want to go down that road where you're being really selfless, really self-sacrificing, really nice. And then you end up screwing yourself because you didn't want to say no, because you didn't want to choose What's well, it's right for you. Same thing when it comes to, say, investing your money. You know, this person's really nice. They, they seem really friendly and they really wanted to help me, you know, so maybe I should invest with whatever their thing is. And maybe, but maybe you need to look at your own self-interest there and say, wait a minute. What are the fees associated with this? What are the results? You know, I mean, the vast majority of people that are attempting to outperform the market with investments do not outperform the market over any length of time beyond a year maybe or two. And so you have this nice person who's going to help you invest in some sort of a vehicle that ends up actually hurting you in the long run. And that doesn't mean that person's bad. It just means that humans are, you know, they're focused on themselves a lot. They don't, Or they think what they're doing is right, but it doesn't mean it is. They think what they're doing is going to be helpful to others, and it might not be. And so it is your responsibility to know your own self-interest. Does that make sense when I'm saying it? Maybe on on, Usually theoretically with people, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. But then when it comes to actually doing it, we don't or we do it less than we could. Why? Because it feels bad. It feels wrong. Let me give you a specific example of how it feels bad and wrong. So uh, my wife and I are currently looking at moving. And it's something we've thought about a little bit here and there over the last uh, you know couple years. And then in the last year, it's gotten to it become more of a real conversation. And we started looking at where and how we talked about all the different places all over the country, maybe even outside of the United States. And we visited some places and we're really exploring a, a bunch of different options. And then we're also exploring staying here in the Northwest, just moving uh, from you know in the city of Portland to somewhere a little bit more rural. And we have a a, a realtor who we know. Uh, friendly guy and he was involved in in helping us get the house that we own now a number of years ago And so he's kind of been our guy when we've looked at stuff around the Portland area. We've called him he showed us maybe a couple houses over the last four or five years and Everything was all we were always kind of in a little bit of like yeah, we're just looking around. So nothing nothing um, serious now we feel like we're in a more serious stage and so we uh, we called him to look at a place and he helped us look at it and then I started talking to a good friend of mine um, who is also he runs a property managed business and he's also a realtor and he is a really sharp guy a really smart very effective businessman and I just started talking to him and I'm like this guy knows his this guy knows his stuff I think he knows his stuff a little more than the realtor that showed us these houses in fact not only does he know his stuff but because he's a friend of mine and he, and he runs this business, like he's gonna, he could give me a good deal if I wanna, if I wanna go with him. If we are end up, you know, uh, selling a property, a house, and getting a new house, so I'm like, I think I want to work with him. Oh, how how wrong and bad that would be! This guy has been in our world for a number of years. You know, he helped us buy this house. He's been around. We've called him up, and he's been responsive to us. He's a nice person. Oh, he showed us a property like, oh. And so I noticed this nice guy in me that's like, oh, man, I, I I can't do that. He's been really friendly. And and no, we don't have any official agreement. We don't have any um, papers or anything we've signed. It's just been a relationship that he's been tending to for one of his many clients that he probably tends to and hopes that one day they're going to do something. And I'm going to go with someone else. And I'm going to you know call this guy up and have a conversation and tell him that. And there's a part inside of me that's like, I don't want to. I don't want to have the conversation. Maybe I could just send a ve- send an email. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That because because that's like, and I'm not saying if someone else wants to do this, it's wrong. But for me, the only reason I'd want to send an email instead of having a phone call is because I'm scared. I'm scared of emotion. I'm scared of his disappointment or hurt or upset. Maybe you know he had an expectation. He had a hope that if we did something, we'd work with him. And I'm I'm uh, gonna possibly create disappointment or break that expectation. It wasn't an agreement. There's a big difference between an agreement and an expectation. This is super important when it comes to niceness. Nice people think all expectations are agreements. Your own and everyone else's. And so you're constantly hurt and offended by other people because they didn't do the things that you wanted. And you're constantly scared that you're offending or hurting other people because you're not doing everything they wanted. An expectation Someone's desire, someone's preference, someone's fantasy, someone's hope, someone's wish, someone's dream is not an agreement. And you do not have to fulfill that unless you made an official agreement. If I made an agreement and said, hey, you know, we're officially going to work with you. Let's sign an agreement. Let's help, you know, have you find us a bunch of properties and show them to us and all this stuff. But it wasn't like that. And so there's no agreement there. Now, for the nice person, and I still have that little nice person in me that's like, oh, but I don't want to. I don't want to do this. So I said, you know what? This is how I've trained myself over the years. If I don't want to do it, I'm going to do it. I, I lean into what makes me uncomfortable. I embrace the discomfort. And that's why this, this, this morning, as with every morning, and it's, you know, it's cold this time of year, so it makes it more uncomfortable. I get home from the gym or a run or whatever. And then I go into our shower or bathroom right as my family's waking up. And, uh, you know, the, little boy, the boys shuffle in to go pee or whatever. And what do they see their dad doing? I'm over there in the corner of the shower uh, doing ice cold shower every morning. There is never a morning that I want to do it. It's not a like morning where it's like, oh, this is going to feel great today. There's always a part of me that wants to stall. Oh, maybe I'll go snuggle with the kid as, you know, snuggle up with them in bed before they get up and pet the dog. And yeah, it's going to be great. I'm like, oh, you can snuggle and pet the dog after your ice shower, my friend. Because the days where I stall are the days where I might not do it. The days where I tell myself, I won't do it in the morning. I'll do it in the afternoon. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. There's there's like a high chance that I won't do it that day. And so I do it. And why do I do it? Because the second that water hits me, it's uncomfortable. But my power increases. My power increases for that whole day. Because I'm saying, you know what? This is uncomfortable, but it's good for me. So I'm going to do it. So having that conversation with this realtor is uncomfortable for me. But it's good for me. And I'll do it. And I brought the same mentality to dating and relationships because I was a super nice guy in dating relationships. I'd be nicey, nicey, nicey. You're the greatest woman in the world. I love you so much. And then I would, you know, I got to break up with her after like, you know, four, six weeks because I was just being this false partial version of myself. I wasn't bringing my full self to relationships or dating. And so what I started to do is to, you know, in the past I would break up via text, via, you know, maybe a phone call and as i got more mature i started to say i'm going to especially if i dated the woman for you know any period of time or we'd slept together or there's any sort of intimacy there i would say i'm going to break up with her like face to face and i didn't even know why at the re- at the time it just felt like this is part of being respectful to her and to and it's like training myself somehow. Maybe I didn't even know why I was doing it. But what I was training myself for is to be able to handle other people's emotions and not have to run and hide from them. Because that is power. That is strength. Because if you can handle other people's emotions, then you can be more assertive. Because when you're more assertive versus pleasing and accommodating, other people are going to have more feelings. Maybe negative feelings. Upset, hurt, sadness, confusion trying to convince you otherwise, trying to plead with you, crying. Who knows what might come up? But instead of running from that, I decided I want to run into that, and I started to do that. And it was only after a couple of dating experiences that I did that that I met Candace and started our relationship that we've been in for uh, more than, a little more than a decade now. Right. So it was like I was priming myself. I was prepping myself. And so I'm going to lean in and I invite you, whether it's a breakup. I mean, who wants to have a breakup conversation? They're terrible. They're uncomfortable. And it's not meant to be comfortable and easy. That's not even a sign of confidence. I mean, if if a breakup is like comfortable and ain't no thing, you know, what are you, Batman? You like opened your heart to nobody? Uh, You know, it's like, yeah, it's going to feel uncomfortable, just like the cold shower is. And we do it. And so to help you, to help you do this is to really take a look at the insanity of not taking care of your self-interest. It truly is insane. So, for example, let's take this, you know, you could take a relationship example. You know, it's like, well, I'm not going to break up with you, even though I know it's not a right fit. What do you, and I'll tease clients about this. I'll be like, you know, they're kind of like, well, I want to break up, but oh, I don't want to have that conversation. I'm like, yeah, that conversation sounds really uncomfortable. You should probably just get married and have babies. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then they laugh because they see how absurd it is. Same thing in this uh, realty example, right? Let, so let's say, oh my gosh, I don't want to hurt this guy's feelings and, or have him be upset with me. So I'm not going to go with the realtor that I think is sharper and could get us better deals. Save us thousands, or I don't even maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or this new guy that I want to go with, uh, because he's been in property management for so long, he knows how to walk through a house and like see a lot of stuff, see a lot of you know questionable things, or know what might go wrong, or all these things that you might catch even before you you know have to put an offer and get an inspection. So, you know, there's a level of savviness, and I think he's a much better negotiator. I mean, all these things. So. I'm gonna go with someone because I because I want to be nice. I would go with someone that could cost me thousands, tens of thousands, or I don't know, maybe a hundred thousand, maybe more. I could get into a property that has problems that I wasn't aware of that that are a major headache. I could have, you know, things that are major detriments to me and my family. But I could be nice and not have the upset of this conversation. Pretty crazy, huh? (laughs) So when you zoom out and you look at it, it can really help you. So the next time you're like, I don't want to have this conversation. Okay, well, let's say you never do. Like what is the long-term effect of that potentially, right? Remember I was talking about uh, someone managing your money as an example as well. So because I don't want to ask this person what their fees are or say that seems unreasonable or I'm going to go somewhere else or I don't like this or whatever, because I don't want to have that conversation with you, I'm going to just keep all my money there with you and over the lifespan of the whatever it is, investment vehicle, 401k or whatever, because of the fees, because of the trading that they do, because of this, because of the fact they don't beat the market anyway, that if you just put it in some index fund and left it there, or whatever you want, put it in crypto, whatever you want to do with it, you did something else and you didn't have them do it for you, you could have, depending on what you're starting with and what you earn, what your time frame is, a difference of 50000 a 100000 500000 US dollars. And these numbers could be different. They could be all over the place. But you should look this kind of stuff up. If you want to get some interesting information on this, check out uh, Tony Robbins and Peter Malouk's book called Unshakable, And it's about it's a quick primer on investing, and some of the major things. Peter Malouk has got a great book as well. He's the founder of something called Creative Planning, which is a money management company that charges radically fewer uh, fees than than sort of most um, most companies that offer that service. And he's got another one called the five the five big mistakes most new investors make. I think it's what it's called. Peter Malouk is his name. M-A-L-L-O-U-K, I'm going to guess. But you could check that out. Anyway, that's a little tangent there on the side. But, you know, there's a lot of sharks out there in the money management world. And they're nice people. They'll be friendly when they talk to you. There's a lot of sharks in the medical world. They're friendly. They're nice people. They might even they're not like, haha, I'm gonna get you and I'm gonna trick you. They are congruent. They think what they're doing is good for you. And it's not. There's something better. And it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility for us to discover that. And this is where niceness can screw you because you don't discover that, or you don't wanna look at it, or because of the temporary discomfort of a conflict or a change or a challenge or something you're going to just passively go into something much more severe and here's the thing at the end of the day that person that got you into that situation that's no good for you they're long gone you know months have gone by years have gone by they're not even working at that company anymore that firm anymore that realtor's not even there anymore that person's dead like and then you're you're left with the consequence and and what's that going to create it's going to create resentment frustration And potentially, worst of all, it's probably going to create more of that victim mentality. Like, oh man, look what life did to me. Look what that person did to me. Oh, I trusted them and they betrayed my trust and they're so bad. Okay, maybe, maybe. But have you ever heard that that saying? It says, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Because... You know, if you never had any experience with a certain field, whether it's law or medicine or money management, or you had no experience, you were totally naive, and then you got burned, you know, maybe shame on them, right? They should have gave you more information. They should have disclosed more. They should have talked about the side effects or risks more, whatever. But then once you've learned a little more, because first of all, after that one time you got burned, what do you got to do? Well, I guess you don't, you don't have to do anything, but I would invite you to get more savvy and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, how does this really work? What's really going on? Read some books, watch some videos, listen to some podcasts, listen to some interviews, try to understand what's really going on here. And then you can make better, more informed, more wise decisions. And that pain of that first time you got burned actually really helps you because it creates the wisdom that you need. It's the only way to get wisdom is through experience. And the fastest way to grow through experience is to have painful experiences. So... Fool me once, shame on you. But now, now I know. Now I know. And if it happens again, don't buy into that victim story of, oh, they took advantage of me. Well, you know what? You might have let yourself get taken advantage of. You might not have been willing to be direct, willing to disagree, willing to challenge, willing to question, willing to say no. And what is that? What must you do to be able to do all those things? You must claim more of your healthy self-interest. You must claim healthy selfishness. And say, it's good for me to take care of myself. It's good for me to look out for myself. It's good for me to look out for my family, for those around me. Yeah, there are times to be generous. Yeah, there are times to just hand something over to somebody else and trust. But not without doing my due diligence. Not without being skeptical at first. That's my responsibility. And can you feel that? Can you feel the power in taking ownership of your life in that way? And that's one of my favorite phrases to have people say at events and in my mastermind is I am the captain of my ship. And this is part of being the captain of your ship, right? The captain's got to understand what, where he or she is navigating and and what's going on and why. And you learn over time. And this doesn't mean you're perfect. This doesn't mean that some of your choices, of course, you look back and say, oh, I would have chose something different if I had known. And you are choosing to the best of your ability not from a place of niceness and fear of disapproval and fear of upset that's that's like trying to steer the ship with both your hands tied behind your back or a blindfold on you just can't make effective decisions you can't choose so in order to choose healthy self-interest aka selfishness to a reasonable degree is a necessary component let's talk about how to put this into practice in your action step Time for action. 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 Your action step for today is gonna to be to practice healthy self-interest. So ask yourself this question. What do I want? What do I want here? It could be real small. You're gonna spend some time with someone, what do I wanna do? What do I want to talk about? Where do I wanna go? Maybe it's something bigger. What do I want in this relationship? What do I what do I want in this? workplace environment. What do I want here? And then ask for it, state it, share it. Hey, you know what I love to do? Let's go out to this thing. Hey, i like to talk about this. Hey, you know, there's something I noticed about this workplace. Like I, you know, maybe there's a dynamic there that you want to call attention to. I noticed that so-and-so gets this and I, I would prefer this. You speak to it. Claim that. And if you want more strength and capacity to do this, so it's not just theoretical, but it becomes a part of your life, not just once in a while, but your daily life, your weekly life, you're doing this again and again and again, which puts you on a whole different trajectory. Thinking of the captain who's steering your ship, like you're going to go to a very different place if you apply this stuff each week of your life. And I invite you, if you want to build that muscle to join me for the Not Nice Live event that's coming up quite soon, you can go to draziz.com, D-R-A-Z-I-Z.com and check out the events tab. It's going to be a powerful experience, and I can't wait to share that with you. And until we speak again, may you have the courage to be who you are and to know on a deep level that you're awesome. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Shrink for the Shy Guy with Dr. Aziz. If you know anyone who can benefit from what you've just heard, please let them know and send them a link to shrink for the guy.com for free blogs, ebooks, and training videos related to overcoming shyness and increasing confidence. Go to socialconfidencecenter.com.